everybody. This is Fred Croner with I Am Game this week. Uh, today's guest is Carrie Redeker, who is somebody I've known for over three decades back when uh, she was playing basketball at Tiny Crescent Iroquois High School, which uh, I don't think they had 100 students, or if they did, maybe barely 100. And uh, But she's gone on to be not only an outstanding player, but an outstanding coach, uh, is somebody that's in the IBCA, not just as a player, but as a coach. And uh, so, Carrie, first of all, congratulations, and thanks for joining me today. Oh, thank you. Very excited. Um, three decades makes us sound kind of old, but I, I think we're more experienced than anything, Fred. There you go. I, I like that term a lot. Yes, indeed. And, you know, going back, I, I can still remember that year working with uh, with Joe Millis at the News Gazette on the, the All Area team. It was clear you were going to be on the team. But the question was, you know, can somebody from a high school that small clearly be the, the best player in the area? I mean, you know, we had at the time, you know, the Champaign-Urbana schools had, I don't know, exactly 1,400, 1,500 students. And, you um, you know, on all around, we just finally decided, well, it doesn't matter the size of the school. It matters about the quality of the player. And so you were the choice and shows that uh, good players can't come from, from small locations, can't they? Yeah, very, very lucky just to be on a really good team. You know, our team was undefeated that year until we lost to Hume Shiloh in the um, in the Sweet 16. And that was our only loss. It was kind of a bummer. But we did have, we had 88 students in our high school. And um, I grew up on a dairy farm. So I learned to shoot on a corn crib. And uh, didn't, you know, that was before, we had pre-state games, which I didn't have a didn't have a big AAU experience, but I was fortunate enough to get that experience to play that summer one weekend in July and then get discovered by some college coaches. So I'm always very, very thankful for my upbringing, for the, the work ethic that I learned. You know, I didn't have anything fancy, but other than to shoot on a on a fan shaped backboard on a corn crib with a chain link net. So that's that's my that was my upbringing with that. Well, and that farm is still there, right? Along Route 49 is, uh, as, you, as you go out of town to, to the south, isn't it? It is. It's three and a half miles south of Crescent City on 49. And um, we don't have the corn crib anymore. We did take that down. So there's not a basketball hoop. Um, but it is, you know, I, I remember my dad in 1987, the summer of 87, when they were going to put the three-point line in. Um, he and I went out. We measured it on on the line. We had limestone just where the basketball court was. And so we, we kind of put that out there. And um, we, there was one area because it was by the corn cribs so that there's bean mill and that would get wet it get kind of soggy and smelly and so I wasn't I really don't think I'm a very good shooter from the left baseline because that was kind of the crummy part <laughs> that was a crummy part of the uh, of the court but I, I like the top of the key in the wing so I, it probably was because of of that um, that limestone court that we had or the, just the basket in front of the hoop there. You know, your, your upbringing sounds a lot like what we hear and think about when we think about Indiana high school basketball, people playing, you know, it, whether it's in their in their driveway or, or, you know, next to a barn or something like that, just shooting baskets. And and that's something that I think has still continued, uh, whereas in Illinois, it seems like, at least as I drive around, I, I don't see as many kids out shooting baskets outside as, as I used to. Yeah, I think obviously, you know, and I, I try to think about that. If I were a kid today, would I be having a, you know, a personal trainer? Would I be playing every weekend in AAU? And I probably would have um, just because I I really was um, so enamored by the Prey State games. And because you didn't have social media back then, you really didn't care for, you know, the kids you played against, like Amy Houtzel. I didn't, she played at Fort Central and I wasn't really friends with her. And I really didn't even like her just because you just, that's how you were back in the, in the day. And then now, you know, kids follow everybody on Instagram and Twitter and all that kind of thing. And so I, I, they have so many more opportunities. But I, you know, I, I do think it was a little simpler because when I look back at, 
how many games we actually played. Um, Hans Meyer, who is my high school coach, he didn't even coach us in the summer. He wanted us to kind of learn on our own and, and figure out how to lead each other and be accountable and, and things like that. So we were, he was part of it, but we, we organized ourselves getting up to Kankakee Community College and playing at a, in a summer league up there on Saturday mornings. And that was, that was it. We played those Saturday morning games and then that one weekend at Prairie State. So I, I do, I am thankful. Um, you know, I, I like to share the story. My grandpa um, was older, but so he was 84 when I was in high school, when I was going to be a freshman. And I think, I think it was maybe the summer before my freshman year, before he passed, he said, you know, you're pretty good at basketball. Maybe you could get a college scholarship someday. And, you know, in the late eighties, I wasn't watching, I'd heard of Cheryl Miller a little bit just by reading the, the, Kankakee Daily Journal and stuff, but he was the first one that really planted a seed in me um, as far as like maybe I had a, the potential to possibly get to go to college because you just really didn't know much about that. I mean, I went to the U of I camp one summer when Laura Golden was the was the coach, but you just really didn't have as many opportunities or, or as, as much media coverage and attention. So I think it was the perfect storm, you know, and growing up on a farm and my parents instilled a really good work ethic in me and my brother was really competitive. He wasn't a, maybe a great basketball player, but he didn't ever want me to beat him. So there were a lot of different things. We played a lot of one-on-one -on, -one on that, on that, that basketball hoop out on the farm. And then his friends, he was a little older than me. So I was, I was able to play with the boys. You know, a lot of times girls didn't get in there, but uh, if they needed one more, I was always uh, seemed like a glutton for punishment because <laughs> they didn't take, they didn't show any mercy, but I think it, it worked out in the end. So tell me back at that age, as, as you were going through high school, getting out of high school, going to college, did you think about coaching as something you might like to do down the road or, or how did you get involved in that aspect? I actually had thought about um, being an English teacher or a journalist because uh, I like <laughs> to write. And um, then I, I wasn't really sure. I wasn't ever really sold on my major but I think another thing you know I didn't really see uh, in Iroquois County is pretty rural so I didn't really see a lot of women doing very many other things other than teaching and, and nursing um, and things like that and so I um, you know Hans always had me help at his basketball camps my coaches at Southern also did that and then when I a student taught in um in Carbondale, and then I'd gotten to know a liter one of my literature teachers had a daughter and a son, and they went to a, Luther a small Lutheran school in Murfreesboro, and they needed, it was my fifth year there when I was just student teaching, I wasn't, I was done playing, and they needed a volunteer girls basketball coach, and so they thought, oh, I would be the perfect candidate, you know, and so I didn't really know what I was doing, but I just was energetic and enthusiastic, and of course, I'd played college basketball, so it was really a treat for, for all of us involved. So that's kind of what got me going with coaching. But then um, I got my first teaching job down in KZ Westfield down by Charleston. And my first year, I did not, I did not um, coach. I only taught. And they're really well known for their softball program and their volleyball program, but not really their basketball program. And I was a little bit maybe burnt out from having been a college athlete and really poured my, my four years of college into that. So I didn't do anything 
coaching wise my first year. And then the volleyball coach asked me, you know, Hey, you're athletic. Can you know, would you want to come be my assistant coach? And I said, I, I don't really know a lot about volleyball. Like we just did three in the front, three in the back in high school. We weren't that good. And she said, well, that's okay. I just need somebody that can hit balls to and to them in practice and somebody that I can cuss at on the bench. So I thought, all right, I can do this, you know, at, at 22. So she actually, uh, her name was Marianne Larimer. She passed away a couple of years ago from a brain tumor, but um, she was really instrumental in my coaching career, along with Hans, my high school coach, and Cindy Scott, my college coach. But Marianne kind of got me to see the, uh, the other side of coaching, how to run hospitality rooms, how to, you know, organizing buses and dealing with the media and stats and uh, things like that. So I'm it was really interesting just as I look back where I'm at now, how each one of those, you know, Hans was really fundamental and really taught me a lot about defense. And then when I went to Southern, my college coach was, she was fiercely competitive and very classy, but very competitive. And then um, Mary Ann, you know, kind of taught me, even though I didn't know a lot about volleyball, um, taught me kind of the other, how to deal with people and things like that. So once I kind of um, got going into the volleyball thing, then I, and I wanted to move closer to Champaign just because I wanted to be closer to my family. Then that's when I applied at, at Unity and I got the, the teaching job and the coaching job there. So well, really, yeah. I wasn't always in, I don't, I don't really know. I'm not one of those people that has like a big five-year plan. Like I still don't know probably what I'm doing much tomorrow, but uh, I just kind of think things happen along the way and uh, they worked out for me. Well, and, you know, even though Casey Westfield wasn't in the News Gazette coverage area, uh, Mary Ann had coached at Arcola, coach volleyball. Yeah there so I had gotten to know her and just a real wonderful lady and I was really disappointed when she left Arcola but uh you know yeah. those, those things happen especially in the coaching world so yeah. at Tolono you, you had some really really good teams there at what point did you start thinking you know maybe I want to do something beyond high school coaching well um Chuck Klutz who was the softball coach at at Parkland, and then he was also at a freshman coach at Centennial Basketball. He had said something to me, um, you know, that the Parkland job may be coming open within the next year. So he he took me to lunch and kind of talked about the difference between being in high school because he had been at, like I said, had been at Centennial, and said you know, this may be something you want to think about. And so sure enough, the job came open in 2007. And so then I applied for that, but I wasn't really sure I was qualified. And they say that, you know, you, you, if you wait till you think you're actually qualified, the opportunity is too late. You just have to take the opportunity, nod your head and say, yes, I can do that. And then figure it out along the way. And I kind of think that that's happened a lot in my coaching career. Cause I don't, like I didn't have any recruiting experience and Chuck said, well, I'll help you with that. Um, you know, cause he, he knew the area really, really well. And he's a people person. So the basketball part of it, you know, the, the older I get, the more I realize it's not as much about knowing basketball. It's more about understanding people and uh, how to, how you can impact people and relate to people and motivate people. So um, I learned a lot of that from Chuck um, as far as, you know, just, he wouldn't, he wouldn't necessarily say, oh, well, we've got to recruit this kid as a freshman, but he'd go up to him, give him a business card and just introduce himself. And then we'd kind of keep that relationship going. So I think, you know, it was Parkland was a really good opportunity, but it wasn't something that I was looking for. It just kind of happened and I applied and, um, you know, figured it out, <laughs> figured it out along the way. Now, if I remember correctly, during either all or most of your time at Parkland, you kept your day job down at uh, Unity as a teacher, correct? I did. I did. I was um, for so I taught for a, ninth, a total of 19 years 
at KZ and at Unity. And I was I started at third grade, and then I was fourth grade for one year at Philo Grade School, which um, is no longer there. That was when I came to Unity was 1999, and that was right before they passed the building referendum. So I think they did that in 2002. So um, I taught in the Philo Grade School, which was built in 1899. It was you know 100 years old. There was like a bat down in the in the basement, and um, but I really loved it. I just loved the people. Just the you know it was, that's kind of my kind of thing. I'm not a really fancy person. I just like down home, good to good to good to down to earth people. And uh, Dave Ellers was my assistant coach. So I would, I would get done teaching. And then uh, when I was coaching at Unity, we'd always order from the Philo Tavern. I would order the pork chop sandwich and he'd order the ribeye steak sandwich. And uh, I'd always bring us bring us over food. And um, so it was just, you know, I did that coaching high school, I wasn't ever in the same building. I was, you know, obviously in the elementary school. Well, then when I had the Parkland job, I stayed teaching at Unity West. That's when we had the, the new schools built. And then I would just drive up, you know, 57 and get off at, at the interstate there and, and get to practice. So it, it worked out where we didn't practice till 430. So I could get a little time to kind of get uh, cleaned up from my day and change my clothes and run up for practice. But I did that for six years. And that was, that was a lot. Um, I, I kind of got to the end where it was like, man, I just was going 100 miles an hour in two different directions and probably was running myself ragged just a little bit. So um, I was very, very thankful. You know, we had some really phenomenal teams when I was at Parkland and some great, you know, we built that with with local athletes and that was a lot of fun, you know, and we finished the highest finish we had there was third in the nation. So that was really, really fun um, as well. So well, and you know, the interesting thing, I mean, basketball is basketball, whatever level you're at, but when you go from high school to junior college, the, the biggest difference is you no longer take the people who come through the doors, you're, you're trying to recruit people. So talk about that adjustment to go from high school where, you know, basically, if you recruited anybody, it was somebody out of a PE class or, you know, a, a classroom, and, and now you're going around to, what, 40, 50 high schools in the area trying to, to find players that will fit, fit your system. Well, I was really lucky um, because having coached in the Champaign area, I knew all the high school coaches. And so I developed a really good relationship with a lot of them and feel like I had a really good reputation. And so when it came time to talking to their athletes and the first year when I got the job at Parkland, um, it was 2007 and Ashley Lillard had reached, she was returning as a third year junior college kid. And then Ashley Seaburns from Arms, Armstrong Potomac. Those are the only two kids that were on the team. So I had the first, um, the first team meeting and there was two kids there. So I, I remember going home, sitting on my porch, thinking like, man, what have I done? And, uh, you know, what have I got myself into? Well, then now kids will commit, you know, there's, I just signed a kid today for junior college or for us for next year. And, and here it is in the middle of November, but back in 2007, Ashley Runk from St. Joe Ogden, Heidi McCain from Cisna Park and Jared Backtold from Prairie Central were all still available at, on April. I think it was when I got the job was maybe late March. And so I worked my tail off trying to convince those three to try to try, come join our team. Well, they kind of had a, they had all lost Ashley's team, St. Joe had made it to the to state and they had beaten CPCI in the sectional 
I think they had beaten Prey Central in the first round of the sectional. So those kind of those three all kind of had a nice little um, ended up becoming friends. And so they ended up kind of working together and talking each other into coming and playing like, hey, maybe this would be pretty fun. So because of those relationships that I'd had as a high school coach with, you know, and knowing the area, I, I got three first teamers, three first team News Gazette all all. Um, all area kids on that team. Well, then they knew Jesse Beachy and um, Jesse Beachy was a student at Parkland. She had had terrible, her knees were awful. And uh, so then they said, well, hey, we're gonna try to get Beachy to play. And um, so then all of a sudden Beachy's joining the team. So then we we ended up being pretty good for no earlier than the start that I got. Amanda Veneta came, played for me um, from Tolono Unity and stuff. And then we had a couple kids. I, I found one kid in the, the weight room and we, we had 10 on that first roster, but uh, Jesse Young came back. She had been at Iowa Wesleyan and she was from Gibson City. She came back because she knew Jesse Beachy and she knew Heidi. And so it was just kind of, um you know, kind of a, a a fun way that that our team got started and so the the team had been 14 and 16 the year before I got there and then when when we got all those really good players we went 23 and 7 23 and 6 something like that so that's the beauty of junior college you can get you know if you just get a really good recruiting class you can get really good really fast or if it goes the other way then that's not good but um I was just really thankful to have those, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd known the McCain's as well. And of course I've lost it, Ashley Runk a couple of times at St. Joe and I knew Kathy Wieson, her coach and knew Barry Corbin. So I think those relationships that, that had, I had built, you know, knowing those coaches along the way um, really helped. So I was appreciative of that. Well, and then we should mention then your, your very second year, you're going to the national tournament. So, uh, you know, you go from a 23 win team to, to one of the top, what, eight, uh, top four in the country. Yeah, that first year or that the second year, uh, we got fourth in the nation. Um, and that was that was kind of a that was certainly a thrill because we 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 actually beat ICC in the region tournament and the national the national tournament was actually over here at um at ICC. So that that kind of um laid groundwork for my opportunity here. But but we'll talk more about the the Parkland stuff was that was just so much fun because then the next year after we finished fourth and I got Hannah Ohl, you know, from Bismarck Henning and Lauren Taylor from Sullivan. And we just Anna Daters came back. She had gone to Kankakee Community College and then she played for me at Unity and she came back. And so it was just um it's just been really, really enjoyable to have done had that success where kind of in my own stomping grounds um with people that you know i've maybe known for years i've known the mccains like i said and um it, it was just really it's kind of a the perfect again the perfect storm it's amazing how things work out and you think you're not you're not really sure what you're doing because like i said when i took the job it just i was there were a couple times i wasn't sure if i'd made the right decision but it it ended up working out uh really well when you know i would think one of the the mindsets you have to really work to, to try to handle very few kids come into high school saying you know after four years of high school i'm gonna go play for a junior college team i mean everybody wants to go d1 or maybe d2 so i mean it's kind of a, a mindset that you have to work i mean a lot of times people feel like oh junior college is just a glorified high school but once you've been around the game you realize no it's not a glorified high school it's a very not only serious but competitive program yeah and i think that's you know, when I was growing up, it was more, oh, you, you didn't have very good grades. That's why you went in junior college or you gotten, you'd gotten in some kind of trouble or you didn't have any other opportunities. And um, I think 
over over time, people realize, and I was just talking to a guy today who is, you know, talking about he had gone to a four-year school and he wished he would have gone to a junior college because he would have saved a lot of money. And the thing that I think both Parkland and ICC, you know, Parkland has that program um, where if you're in the top 10% of your class, you can go to they did. I don't know if they still have it. You can go to Parkland tuition and fees free. So you're getting really great students who maybe would have gone elsewhere at at your college, making it really, really strong. And I think the thing, same thing that I've seen at ICC, we've had kids at both schools that have said that have gone on to other four-year schools and said, my classes at ICC or my classes at Parkland were more challenging than maybe what they have at their four-year school. So I think you can play the academic piece of it um, for sure. And then it's um, the one thing that when, when I was a college player, our coach, you know, we were a mid-major at Southern, but we, we always, our coach always, you know, we, we dotted every, every I and crossed every T. And I think for me, um, what I've talked to our kids about is, you know, we're going to make the big time where we are. So no, do we have the budget that UConn or South Carolina women's teams have? No, we don't have that, but we're going to still look the part, play the part, act the part, um, and really try to be a classy program, be, be the classiest junior college program in the nation. And that's, that's something that I think, you know, I learned in, from all the coaches and, and that I coach for or coach with, um, have really tried to make that our, our, our mantra or our motto. And so, you know, the, the teams that I've had that have been the most successful have also been kids that are doing community service off the court as a team building activity. Their grades are pretty solid, you know, where they're not giving their instructors fits. And we do, we do a lot of um, vetting, I guess, of kids. You know, one of my favorite things to do is when I go watch a kid is I'll go in and the, the person who's sitting at the uh, admission table, it's, a lot of times it's an English teacher and they're sitting there with a mound of paper they're grading and I'll I'll tell them I'm you know I'm coaching for ICC I'm, I'm here to watch so and so and um, I'll ask that person what they can tell me about that kid and they are always very honest and you know if there's been one time that someone said eh, you don't want her and I didn't didn't go after her so I think it's just continually building those relationships but also um, you know we do it's it's not even about selling it's just um, having the pride in being here and, and wanting to work and wanting to be the best that you can be. And I think finding those kinds of kids that see that passion, you know, in our coaching staff and our other players that we have, and then they kind of realize they, they really want to be a part of that. So I've, we've been the most successful when we've had kids that haven't given it the, and I don't use the term JUCO because I think it's derogatory um, a little bit. And, you know, some people don't mean it that way, but I just don't choose to use that phrase just because I think it does have a negative connotation. So I want to always put our put our players both academically and, and as athletes and then also as students in the best light. And we, you know, we play kids that are going D1, you know, that have already signed D1. You know, there a lot of kids are either they're they've been passed over because they're from a small school or, you know, maybe they just didn't get their chance or whatever else, or, but they're there. Most kids here are here to prove themselves and want to better, you know, they want to better themselves. So that's what I enjoy. Well, that's the next point I was going to make is if you're a kid out of high school that maybe doesn't have that D1 offer, but feels like you can play at that level, go to a junior college for two years, prove yourself. And if, if you're really as good as you think you are, you're going to get that chance a couple of years down the road. 
Yeah, and we've had, you know, I've not had a, a, a lot of kids go Division One. We've had more go D2 or NAIA, and, and I'm more, you know, I'm, I'm always, I tell our kids a lot, bet on yourself. You know, there's nobody more, more important to bet on than yourself. So you believe you can do that. If you come in here and you do what we're asking you to do, um, you know, you'll find yourself in a position that you'll have more options than what you had coming out of high school. And invariably that's almost always been the case. And sometimes kids, you know, they, they want to find a great fit. Like we had one, one young lady who didn't want to have the rigors of division one. She had division one opportunities, but she decided she wanted to have more of her summers to herself and maybe not be as committed, still be committed, but so she went the division two level. So it, it just kind of, it's, it's all about the right fit, you know, finding the right fit for kids once they leave here and figuring out what their priorities are. And sometimes their priorities change. They think they want that division one opportunity. And then maybe they're like, well, maybe I want to be closer to home or I, you know, I know other kids that are on this team. So just, you know, trying to understand 18 to 19 year olds, it is a difficult thing, but you just kind of go with what, what they're thinking and, and try to mentor them in the right direction. So talk about the decision to leave Parkland and head over to Illinois Central in, in uh, Peoria. What, uh, what was the thinking beyond that? And, and what, uh, what kind of prompted you to make that move? I, um, so I've been at, uh, at Parkland for six years and um, like I said, I was kind of going 100 miles an hour in two different directions. I had my elementary teaching job. I had um, been there for six years and I went in and talked to Rod Lovett and before that, before that final year. And I had said, man, this is really tough to do this right and, um, you know, be a really great teacher and a really great basketball coach. And he said, yeah, usually people get to about five or six years. Their, their part time coaches get to about five or six years and then they kind of they, they get kind of burnt out with it. And um, so I wasn't, I, I remember talking to my parents, I was at the uh, Dairy Queen on Mattis out there by St. Thomas Moore. And I, I broke down after one of the games, because I was with my parents, and I said, I just don't know if I can do this. I, I don't have a life, because I'm either if I'm, if I'm at school, I'm teaching if it's, you know, Veterans Day or Martin Luther King Day, I'm, you know, I'm not taking the day off, I'm trying to catch up with my coaching. And, um, you know, when you have high standards, you you're, you're like a hamster in a wheel, always trying to to work. And um, so they, you know, kind of talked to me a little bit. Well, then I had gotten a phone call from Cindy Stein, who used to be the, she was the ICC coach here for one year. And then she moved down to Southern Illinois at Carbondale. And so she called me and said, you know, I've got to want to talk to you about something. She's like, I'm going to take the Southern job and I want you to come be an assistant coach with me at Southern because you're an alumni there. Or if you, that's not something you're interested in doing, uh, I think you would be a great fit at ICC. And if, when I leave here and I said, well, you know, thank you, but why do I want to, why would I leave Parkland to come to ICC? Because it's a lateral move. We're in the same region. We're in the same division. And she said, well, ICC is a full-time position. And um, so then I was like, well, what do you do all day? <laughs> because <laughs> I know what I was doing. I was grading papers and, you know, recess duty and whatever else during the day. And um, so I, I, that was right around an Easter, Easter weekend in 2013. And I had talked to my parents about, you know, I'd, I'd, I loved Carbondale as a student, but I didn't, and I, you know, would have been interested in that, but I didn't really want to move away from my from my family where I was or move that far south. And so I told Cindy, thank you. Um, 
but that I think I would apply for the ICC job. And so then I applied here um, in 2013 and just um, was lucky enough to, to get it, to get that position. So I've been here, this is my starting my 10th year here. So um, it was, you know, I was flattered, you know, that Cindy thought of me in that regard, but then I really was nervous about leaving um, teaching because I'd done that for 19 years. And that was kind of, that had always paid the bills. Like I, I was a full-time, that was my, where my money came or my, my main source of income came from. And the, the coaching had always been a stipend. And so then um, that was a little bit unnerving because I thought, man, am I going to miss teaching? And um, it's, I was worried that I wouldn't have enough um, interaction with people at the junior college level, but I, you know, I know all the men's basketball players and all the volleyball players. And so I've just kind of, um, instead of dealing with 10 year olds, I've just now have kind of been <laughs> adopted, I guess, or I've adopted 20 year olds, 18, 20 to 20 year olds. So it's really been a really good move for me. Well, and obviously at, at ICC, you've had a bunch of success there, just kind of continuing to build off what you, you had started at Parkland. Uh, but you've also gone through some, some personal struggles. Do you want to, do you feel like talking about anything that, uh, that you've had to deal sure. with? past over years? Yeah, well, I have, um, so we've been here at ICC since 2013, and we, you know, we, we got second in the nation um, in 2016. We lost the national championship game, and then we've been to nationals four out of the last five years um, with that, so we've had a lot of success here, and, and our program, the program has won six national championships prior to, to me coming here. I don't have any of those, but I knew that we could win here, and so um, that was one of the other reasons, you know, I knew this was a, a really established program. And um, so I did that. But in uh, 20, 2018, uh, we had a team that was probably of any team that I've had, except for one team that I had at Unity, uh, Unity was a really overachieving team. And we, you know, if you pound for pound, if you'd stack them against any other team, you'd have been like, ah, that team's not going to make it to nationals. Well, this team won the region tournament um, on a Sunday. And um, I had had a mammogram the next day and went in for that. And then they called me back for a, a needle biopsy. And then um, on the Wednesday, just called to tell me that my, my um, biopsy had come back as cancer. So it was kind of an interesting thing um, that we went to the national tournament and um, I didn't tell, I only told like my athletic director and a couple people in my family that I'd gotten this diagnosis. And as I, kind of reflect back basketball has kind of always been the thing that has kept me moving and going and um so instead of worrying about you know what's next I, we went to the national tournament and had a blast with this team and um then when I came back then that's when I got you know my diagnosis and um so it was a 2a breast cancer or stage 2a breast cancer and then I had six chemotherapies what I you know I kind of called those some knock you on your butt kind of ones that I had them every three weeks, but it, it happened in the spring. So I got diagnosed in March and then I had those really nasty chemos from April to August, which was when I, I didn't do a camp that summer. Um, I did go recruiting. I, I, it was amazing how that worked out because I was able to go recruiting like three or four times when I actually did did feel pretty decent. And then um, when our team came back, I got to know them for a couple of weeks and then I had my surgery in September, mid-September. So um, I was out for 17 days. And then my goal was to make it be, was to be at the first practice on October 1st. And I had hands in my pockets and a zip-up jacket and I was at the first practice. So um, I just, it was just amazing how that all worked out because the, the basketball kind of kept me going, kept me looking forward to things. Um, you know, I'd look at, we ended up taking our team to 
um, Arizona that November. And I would, you know, the, the doctor's like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, nope, I'm going. So that team that we had, um, they had said, our sophomores pick our team theme every year and they had picked the team, the theme stronger together because they had seen what, when, when they went to nationals, when they when our kids went to nationals as freshmen, they had seen what happened when everybody kind of didn't care about their roles and they just really put the team first. And I had said to them, I was like, I don't, I remember thinking, well, I don't, think stronger together is a very good theme. I don't know why they picked it. And then once I started going through my things, um, I realized that, you know, stronger together was how you get through anything. And our, our kids uplifted me when I, when I was in the gym, I didn't have cancer. I was just coach because they certainly didn't want to talk about it. And, uh, we, that team was, is obviously a really special team to me. We ended up being number one, ranked number one in the nation. We ended up going on a 32 game winning streak. And, um, it was just, you know, obviously going through one of the hardest, probably the hardest thing I've ever been through, but it was because of the sport, because of being a coach. Um, I had so many people that came out to games that I hadn't seen for years and all of them, they wanted to come watch, watch us coach or watch us play. And, um, I look back at all the things you know, that I had learned as a basketball player, you know, how to, how to follow a game plan, how to be coachable, um, how to, you know, I didn't obviously love going to chemotherapy treatments. And so how do you, when you don't feel well, or you lose the night before and you got to get up and go to six 30 in the morning practice, that, that was a lot of those things that I did, um, as an athlete. And as I do as a coach came through that I had to follow and do those things being a being somebody who is beating cancer. And my mindset from the very beginning was not, you know, I didn't tell people that I had cancer. I said, I'm, I'm beating cancer. And, you know, it was a year long thing. Um, I think for me, it, it was really a, a kind of an awakening. I was, I was 48 when I got diagnosed and I've probably, I feel like in the last four years, I have lived my life more uh, vivaciously, more excitingly, um, my, my motto for the first year after that was book it. And if I wanted to go on a trip or I, you know, I went to California and saw an old high school classmate. I went out to Boston and saw my, um, my college coach went to my niece graduated from Georgetown, went out there and I, we took our team to new Orleans, new Orleans, uh, that year. And I just, um, kind of, it was kind of an awakening for me that I better get rolling because life is short. So, um, I wouldn't, I, I don't want to say, well, I want to go through that again to get to where I am now. Um, but it really helped me, I feel like, grow as a person. And I don't think there's any way you could not go through something like that and come out of it stronger or better. But, you know, just trying to be thankful, thanking God every day for, you know, every morning waking me up. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at. So I, I'm appreciative of the experience. And just, I think for me, the biggest thing was just seeing the good, the goodness in people, you know, we hear so many negatives about what's going on in the world and the news and different things. But for me, you know, I, I think it only um, reinforced the amazing people that I have in my life and in, in through basketball. I mean, coaches were, were always, you know, sending me cards, calls, texts, and it, it was just, it was almost overwhelming just to, to see the goodness of, of people. Well, you know, this kind of goes a little bit of a different direction, but it also goes along with what you're saying about the last four years. I happen to know that one of your passions in that time has been to do some research 
for uh, female basketball players that have played in the state of Illinois and had a lot of accolades, but had not gotten into the IBCA Hall of Fame. You've done a lot of research and, and turned in those names and gotten, I don't know, probably 15 to 20 people that, uh, that deserved recognition. Talk, if you would, a little bit about, uh, about that, because that, obviously that's a, a very time-consuming, but yet a, a rewarding uh, project, isn't it? It is, um, and it, it's another thing, um, Steve Allen from the IBCA had asked me if I would help out with the IBCA, I think it was 2017, and I told him, no, I was too busy. <laughs> and so then uh, I don't say no a lot after, um, you know, I just had so many people help me out during my struggle. And so when someone asked me to do do something, I, I, I have a hard time saying no. And um, so Steve asked, well, you know, would you, would you be more involved with the IBCA? And so um, I've, I've been really fortunate to be a part of that organization and um, kind of move up rather quickly, I guess, for, for um, from a female standpoint, there's there's 21 board of directors and I'm one of the three females that are on there. And, you know, it's been such a really good organization, but I think it's had more of a reputation of being an old boys network. And, and there's because they men started it and men's basketball, boys basketball has been around so much longer. But I, I think for me, I've, I've seen the people that have um, impacted me, that have invested in me, and I've also seen the power that coaches and, and female role models can have on younger, on younger players. And so, you know, you, you had given me the list of the All-Staters from 1980, and, you know, what I've learned is there's hardly any records before any of that time, and so it does take some digging, um, but it's, it's been, that's been really, really enjoyable. It's kind of like when I go recruiting, I feel like I meet the best I'm, you know, we're usually recruiting one of the best players on the team. And then I meet those families and those people kind of become family and lifelong friends. And this is kind of what that's also done for me is, you know, reaching out to people because you have to have their contact information. And so some I've been down some rabbit holes trying to get different, you know, email addresses or or cell phone numbers and things. And then when you talk to different people and hear their stories, it is it's it's interesting just to hear the past and like there was one gal who had said she went to basketball camps in the late 70s for recruiting opportunities and other four-year college coaches would be at the camps like there was she had gone to an Illinois camp and there were other college coaches at the Illinois camp watching the Illinois uh, campers so it's really been I, I think I've always been appreciative of I had a young I have an older sister who's six years older than me and I know her experience in high school was a lot different than my experience six years later because she was she graduated in 1982 so um, you know the boys always got the gym at the, the peak time and the, the boys always got the bus the girls got this and so I I think I've always tried to, and, and this goes back to my college coach where, you know, when I was at Southern and Rich Heron was the men's coach there, but our, our coach was, you know, we were a lot of times in the top 20. And so she never, she never took a back seat to the men's team. So I've always been lucky enough to have been reared in that, in that environment. And that's kind of what I've tried to do with our, with our teams and our programs. But even now, just trying to get some of these women who are older than me that have kind of been the, the trailblazers and getting them the recognition and their stories. Uh, it's been really, really enjoyable for me, but time consuming, but <laughs> no, no <laughs> doubt about that. <laughs> well, we've been talking today with uh, Carrie Redeker, a former coach at Unity Park and College now at, uh, at Illinois Central as the women's basketball coach. Uh, before I let you go, uh, tell me a little bit about this year's ICC team, what, uh, what some of your projections are for uh, this team this year. 
Well, we're currently ranked 15th in the, the top 20 poll. We were, we lost to the number one team over the weekend. And one of the things that we've always done and prided ourselves is having a really, really tough schedule. So we have, um, last year, I know we started three and five and we ended up 27 and 10 and went to the national tournament. This year, we've got a tough schedule again. Um, we've got a game tonight. We're actually leaving for Palm Beach, Florida tomorrow. So we're excited about that. Um, but we're, we'll be playing several top 10 teams and, you know, trying to get our kids to be um, more battle tested. And then of course we play in region 24, which is one of the top regions for women's basketball in the nation. So um, we've got some experience back. We have two third year players that are really solid players. And then um, some, we have a Villa Grove kid, Kylie Block, um, who's on our squad as well. She starts at us, starts for, for us at the two guard spot, but I don't want to make any predictions other than we got to get, keep getting better every day. We're two and one right now. So hopefully we'll keep, I think defensively we will we'll be really good. So we're, we're going to hang our hat on defense. Well, if you play good defense, that'll keep you in a lot of games. So that's uh, <coughs> the point right there. That's for sure. And I learned that from Hans and I learned that from my college coach. But um, I think just I'm just always appreciative of the opportunity to be here and, and uh, share, share my story and get to know good people. So I appreciate that. All right. Well, Carrie, thank you very much for your time. I'm sure we'll be in touch down the road. All right. Thank you, Fred.